Welcome to the Online Fraudcast. I'm Carice Hendrick. And I'm Brett Johnson. And we're both anti-fraud experts. But with very different sets of experiences. I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, working with hundreds of the biggest online companies in the world to help them prevent payment fraud. And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. I committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the United States Most Wanted list, spent time in prison, and since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against the people like I used to be. Well, and Brett, I don't know about you, but I feel like now that it's spring, you know, the flowers are blooming, the birds are chirping, all that, and fraud is like going out of control. That's true. It's just, New frauds to commit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like, <laughs> I don't know if it's seasonal or not, but it just seems like my inbox has been very, very full and apologies to everyone that I haven't gotten to. It's never, you know, never because I don't want to. I'm glad that people know that, you know, they can reach out to us and tell us what's going on. And I've been talking to other merchants as well. Um, I just did an awesome, I guess, site visit yesterday at a local uh, Seattle merchant that listens to our podcast often. It was really fun. And it was really great to see like what they're doing and um, their systems that they've created and um, processes and they've really got a handle on it. So it was very fun. And I just, you know, love talking to other people that like fraud because we're all pretty similar. But then on top of that, it seems like people in my life are getting hit with fraud, too, like left and right. I, so what's happened? Well, I mean, my college roommate's husband got his Instagram account taken over by someone in Russia. My, so because he had the same password on some other website that he Absolutely. Right. Yes. Yes. That is exactly why. <laughs> and I have, yes. And I've um, been working with, you know, a friend to try to try to get that back, but uh, it's very hard and he owns his own business and he has 700 oh. followers and he's all, you know, he's been checking with me almost every day, like any word, any word. And then medical practitioner that I see, I'm not going to call them out specifically. They got hit with ransomware two weeks ago and a friend of ours, swooped in and, and helped them for free, like the superhero that he is. And I know you helped him a little bit with that as well. I, I think anyone who's in fraud, I was talking about this with the merchants yesterday, like anyone who's fra in fraud, like starts to get calls like, hey, do you know how it, <laughs> you tell people you have a podcast about fraud? It, it happens even more. I mean, as soon as I came back from Vegas, my one of my medical practitioners or doctor's offices called me and was like, we knew you were out of town, but, <laughs> and I'm very happy to help. It's just a lot. And then my grandma got hit and my husband got hit in the last oh, week. Well, okay. So let's, let's do the husband first. What, what happened okay. to your husband? Well, so last year he got his social security number take, uh, we're not exactly quite sure how, but probably Equifax okay. and they opened accounts in his name and forwarded our, his mail and we didn't catch it for a while because, you know, you don't really miss seeing bills, <laughs> right, right. you know, and we just we didn't really notice. And so he thought he'd gotten it all taken care of. They had opened up a few small accounts in merchant names, like with merchant lines of credit, as well as with a couple banks. And they were starting to work their way up to higher limits. And so we got all that taken care of. And I kind of feel stupid because it was right before we'd recorded the podcast. So I was still under the mindset at the time that, like, it's one and done. Once they do one type of crime to you, then they move on to someone else. Right, and it's never um, that. 
<laughs> no. Well, now, since, you know, talking with you on this platform, I've definitely learned that. So I think if that would have happened now, I would have thought of this. But our accountant went to file a extension on our taxes on April 15th because, you know, I'm a last minute girl. And when you work for yourself, taxes are a real pain. And yeah. it's just been so busy the last few months. I'm like, I just need a couple more months to work on it. So she went to file our an extension on our taxes and put in my husband's social security number. And it said that taxes already been filed in his name. And you know, yeah. because I sent you a text, the very first thing he and I said at the same time was, damn it, Brett. <laughs> Well, and, and I guess I deserve that because I'm the guy who invented that type of scam. That you are. And on top of that, that, yeah, I don't know if you know this because I don't know if you guys claimed um, your stepsons this year or not, but the IRS is now claiming birth certificates as well to prove yes. dependence. Yes. And I also said, damn it, Brett, to that too. So Well, that's that's the thing is, you know, this this it started out, and I, I mean, I did some of that before I even started with the, uh, the tax return identity theft of... Uh, finding kids and adding them on to uh, other people's taxes so they could get mm. the IC, that earned income credit. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, of course, when you look at children, children are the number one victims of identity theft. One in four will be hit with identity theft. And one, and this comes in three areas, either tax fraud, medical fraud, or synthetic. So it's not mm. surprising that the IRS is now requiring birth certificates. Um, now, of course, that is a headache and a half parents to try to get those things yeah i that's actually a big part of why we were filing an extension because <laughs> i we moved and i don't yeah. i mean i'm i'm in my office right now and it's really embarrassing how many boxes are still not unpacked but this last <laughs> year has been really crazy with both health stuff and life stuff and work stuff for sure my you know company's gotten busier and so Things just go in the office, but there's a lot of boxes in here and I just, I've gone through so many and I can't find it. I know where it was in the old house, but yeah, I've gotten to the point where I was like emailing my divorce attorney from two years ago, you know, who worked on our parenting plan. Like, did I send you the birth certificate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. And my accountant said, it's been a real pain. Like she's, she's just uh, told people like, you know, cause they'll say, well, another accountant won't make me do it. And she's like, okay, then go with them. Cause I want to be safe than sorry. Right. And, and I'm. The sad, that I have thing, the sad thing about this entire tax return identity theft is that really the only answer is to file as quickly as you can. Right. Um, you know, the right. IRS, they, they ask KBA questions. And, I, you know, I bitch a lot about knowledge-based authentication. So mm -hmm. to get a tax transcript, you have to answer. And they're very difficult KBAs, but they're still KBA questions. Uh, right. You can get the answers to those security questions. But most of the time, I mean, that's not even the way the avenue that cyber criminals are using to get these tax transcripts. They're, they're fishing out accountants' offices. They're uh, doing credential stuffing with uh, tax programs like uh, Tax Act or H&R Block. You know, they fish you out with a uh, Hulu phishing email, and they try the same login with Tax Act or one of these tax, tax software programs online, and they get your tax transcript like that. I mean, there's several different ways that they can get that. Um, and really, I mean, so with, with Leaf, I'm sure that now he's got the, uh, the pin that the IRS gives out so that uh, we will. So okay. yeah, that's a bit of a step ahead. So what we first right. have to do is we have to file them in paper and go out ah. to our accountant's office, which is about an hour away from our house, but of I course. Mean, it's whatever, you know, I mean, that's, it's an inconvenience, but it's not, you know, something that can't be, fixed and I just have such a like it's not a lackadaisical attitude about fraud it's just to me it's an everyday thing so right, when right. some you know I mean I think when the average consumer gets hit with fraud it's like this really violating feeling and everything else and to me I'm like okay what do we have to do all right 
So we have to go back out there, but that's fine. We'll file in paper and sign our names in pen, and then she'll provide our driver's licenses. And I said, well, we also have passports. She's like, great. We'll provide both of those with your signature on it to match to the pen signature and prove that this is the real, real person. And then I was about to say his first last name. You just said his first name. It's fine. But like, you know, he has a different last name. Right, so right, right. try to, you know, make sure that he's the right person. But also, I mean, <laughs> I think it's to be kind of obvious because I'm pretty sure that the person who filed his taxes was not using our true information or else they would have had to pay a lot. So <laughs> I think that they'll be like, oh, this has got to be the real person because they're saying they owe a lot of money <laughs> rather than the person that we paid. I mean, for me, I guess there's also a systemic thing. I mean, I personally feel like the IRS could do a lot more. There's a reason well, why the U.S. tax system gets, you know, gets right. moved around and, and gets exploited, but other countries don't. I they, mean, you're, you're exactly right. The The IRS could do a lot of uh, different things. The, the problem is, and I've read the, the reports that the Government Accounting Office has put out about the problems the IRS is having with security over there. And, of course, the IRS's answer is, is we don't have a problem. Everything's working okay <laughs> right now. But wow. you know, the thing is, is that... Um, so, so your husband was hit with this. The, the, the likelihood of the criminal actually getting cash from filing on your husband is probably pretty low because hmm. he's, he's not able to use the exact same transcript. Not only that, but it's going to be deposited to, a, to an account that's different than what it's been deposited to historically. True. So those raise enough flags mm. that probably the IRS is going to pull that off to the side. The guy that uh, stole your husband's identity is not going to actually get cash, but it still messes up. Your filing of your return. Yeah, yeah. So um, now, from now on, you're absolutely right. We'll, we will be getting a pin, and I probably right. will as well because I'm attached to him. Absolutely. You know, we filed So no. we just we're told that we cannot lose that because getting a second one is really, really hard. So we have it to be able to look out every January for the rest of our lives. <laughs> but but the other thing our accountant is, uh, was like, you know what? At least you're going to be really safe. Like right. from now on, it'll be safe. And I was like, how come they don't just give people pins in the first place? But I guess it's because everyone would lose it, right? right. Now, now, here's the thing is, is sometimes this crime does not go away. I'm sure you've frozen your credit and everything else. Mm -hmm. But there are different types of fraud that can hit people that are not, that's not credit-based. You know, it's mm. tax return, it's the medical, it's the stuff like that. Now, mm -hmm. if that continues, and that's, I'm saying this for everybody out there that may, may be listening as well, you can get a new social security number. Hmm. The only thing you need to do is prove that you've been a victim of identity theft. Go down and file that police report, track your happy little butt over to the Social Security office and say, hey, I'm a victim of identity theft. I want a new Social Security number. Uh, those those people that are actually doing that at one point, this is only three or four years ago, there was, the numbers were under 1,000 people a year. It's exploded to over 10,000 a year right now that's getting new social security numbers because of identity theft. Uh, mm. there's, there's two reasons you can do it. It's because of identity theft or it's because you're a victim of domestic, uh, domestic mm, abuse and trying right. to, uh, to hide from your spouse. But do you think that bad guys are going to figure that out too, though, and just start like getting new social security numbers in good people's name? I mean, well, of course. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Course. So I, I'm always looking for the other shoe to drop, especially <laughs> Uh, I mean, especially that's after you know our two years of friendship. <laughs> but you know, he's so so he's hit with uh, he was hit with new account fraud. Now he's hit with uh, with tax fraud. Uh, yep. I would look at I would look at if he's not signed on to myssa.gov. I'd look at that. I'd look at uh, tax not tax return, but uh, student loan fraud in his name. 
Hmm. What else? I doubt mortgage fraud would go through. Student loan fraud and, and that social security account takeover. Not that they could get anything from it right now, but it. Right. Uh, if he's not signed into it right now, that would be a problem. Okay. Okay. Yep, that's that's why it's nice to have a friend like you. And we did this on purpose on the podcast so other people could learn from it too. And then Granny. Oh my gosh, my eighty seven year old grandma, the poor thing. I mean, the, she's definitely got her wits about her, I'm not gonna lie, but she's feeling pretty bad about it. And I, I try to tell her, like, look, it's hitting everyone. And in fact, this exact type of fraud was on the morning news the next the national morning news the next day. So she was out and about. She was at yoga at the gym, like every 87-year-old, you know. She's hilarious. I don't even do yoga every day at the gym. I would love to, but I don't have the time. So she was at the gym, and she came back home, and there was a message on her answer machine from the Social Security Office, or Social Security Administration in in Texas. I think it was in Houston. Okay. And she called them back because she said she had a thought, like, is this really them or not? But she said – she remembered that she'd heard on the news that the IRS will never call you, but they had never said that the Social Security Administration would never call you. Right. So, and that's true. And that's exactly why they're doing it now. So they called on behalf of the Social Security Administration. Um, they gave her this crazy story about how an illegal immigrant was using her Social Security number, which that side note just makes me mad because, you know, you're <laughs> preying on older people's fears of what they're, you know, right, watching on the news. Right. And, you know, whether that's true or not of what's happening down at the border, that's a whole other conversation for other types of podcasts. But just preying on fears just really makes me mad. But it, it works, right? So they told her that there was a, you know, 1994 Toyota Corolla parked in a Walmart parking lot in a border town in Texas and it was registered in her name and it had been sitting in the parking lot for a week. So Walmart called 911 and the cops came and they found blood and 22 pounds of cocaine in an abandoned beat up car in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so my, you know, so it was a party central rather. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly my grandma has a side job in a retirement that I knew nothing about, but I mean, it just the my common sense says, well, you know, nobody would leave that amount of cocaine in a car. And, you know, second of all, if they did, it would have been gone before a week. But all that to say, they were telling her that, you know, someone else was using her Social Security number in her name and that all she had to do was just verify her Social Security number so that so that they would know that this other person, you know, in quotation marks using it wasn't the real, you know, person with her name. I'm obviously not going to say her full name here. So I, it's the kind of stuff that really can hit merchants. And I've talked to a few merchants that have been getting hit by similar crimes on their gift cards where fraudsters know that they'll be caught if they make the purchase. So then they find, you know, somebody who's trusting who thinks that, oh, okay, all I have to do is you know, by get, why buying gift cards, you know, why you would pay the Social Security Administration and gift cards makes sense. I don't know. But at this right. point, they've riled them up so much that they're like, oh, I just need to take care of this. I just need to do what I need to do. You know, a lot of people, their elderly are very trusting, but they also don't ever want to be in trouble. So they do what they're told from authority. I would imagine well, that your friends at AARP are hearing about this a lot. They are. I'll, they are. I'm definitely, I'm going over there this weekend because it is Easter weekend and going to be freezing her credit. We're also going to pull her credit report. I, I do know that Social Security Administration fraud is, or, you know, account takeover as well as tax fraud is our things to worry about for her. But I'd love to hear your perspective because I would imagine if, if my grandma's getting hit, other people's grandmas are getting hit too. You're so You're absolutely right. And so I gave an interview this morning with KPRC out of Houston. And the, the subject of the interview ah. was child identity theft. 
Hmm. One of the stories that the that the reporter talked to me about today was this 18-year-old. He's 18 now. It's been going on for four years. But when the kid was 14, he's autistic. Mm. Someone used his social security number to get a job. Oh. Now, he's in Houston. Yes, it is exactly what some of these new channel, news channels have been fear-mongering about. It was somebody coming across the border using the social to work at jobs where they don't have E-Verify. And for those who don't know, E-Verify is the Social Security Administration's system of validating a Social Security number when you go to sign on as an employee. Not everyone is signed on or uses E-Verify. This criminal was using the kid's social to gain employment at jobs like dishwashing, things like that. The problem from the victim's point of view, because the the guy's mom, you know, he's 18 now, but his mom takes care of him. She gets SSI in his name, Social Security Disability. So she gets that in his name. The problem is, is that according to the Social Security Administration, the kid is working. So he doesn't qualify for the disability. So this is the problem that we're uh. seeing over and over again with this type of thing. And, and I, I was very adamant. I'm, I'm a lot of kids information. It's not used for border crossers. It's used for, uh, medical fraud, synthetic fraud, right. And tax fraud. All right. But it does happen when someone crosses the border and I hate to bring this up because it gets political and I don't want to be political about this, but when someone crosses the border illegally, they need documents. They need social security numbers. They need driver's licenses. There's a need for this. Uh, when I was committing crime and fraud, we used to supply things like green cards and everything else. They were fraudulent, but you weren't looking to, to really hand those to law enforcement. You were looking to just get employment with that type of stuff. So it's, it's still happening. Uh, with your grandmother, so this, this entire story, if, and the reason I bring that up about the child identity theft, people crossing the border, they're going to be looking more more often than not they're looking for children's information because if you're using an adult's information it's going to conflict at some point in time if you use a child's social security number it's going to last longer right at that point. all right uh for your for your grandmother being hit with that that's basically just a way to get money from her so they've got her social security number they verified that they didn't ask for cash no. But now we have to worry about exactly what's going to go on. And it could yep. be the same thing that happens with your husband. It could be some sort of tax fraud. More than likely, I would be worried about new account fraud, and I would be worried about uh, Social Security account takeovers. That's right. So, yeah. So I definitely know that freezing her credit is going to take care of new account fraud. And we're, right. because it's been a few days, I'm going to do an annual credit report with her before that. Sure. Um, I actually probably have most of the information about her to, you know, do it on her behalf and that was my plan but then I realized like well we're going over there anyway and what if there is an out of the wallet you know KBA question that I don't know the answer sure. to um, and that is kind of also kind of a count takeover I mean it's for a good purpose but you know so we're going to do it together I'm sure you know but I know she's been really worried because I've been getting a text message from my mother at least once a day <laughs> about it and I'm like just tell her if something is happening right now it's completely fixable like it, it is just because I have this attitude of like fraud happens every day like fraud happens you know kind of like you know shit happens like it so you know i'm like it's it's fixable so we're gonna pull her credit and then we're gonna it sounds like such a great you know way to celebrate easter but pull her credit <laughs> and then freeze her credit <laughs> right happy easter here i did <laughs> we'll hide Here's these eggs in the morning and we'll freeze your credit in the afternoon it'll be exactly. a blast 
I am curious about social security account takeover because that's something I actually haven't heard you talk about. And so, you know, I assume that what it is, is basically, you know, taking over an identity using their social security number with the social security administration and possibly sure. maybe claiming benefits for elderly. I would, I would assume maybe trying so, to like reroute her benefits. Right. So the problem with, with senior citizens is that many of them don't have much of an online presence. All right. Criminals know that if you look at targets for senior citizens, criminals also know that senior citizens get that monthly check. It's going to range anywhere from, you know, $800 up to about $1,600 every month. Right. So if they don't have an online presence and a criminal knows that they get that monthly check, the only thing a criminal needs to do is go over to myssa.gov and sign on for their online access for them. So the criminal goes ahead and signs up to my SSA, has to answer whatever security questions pop up there, not horribly difficult to do, goes in there, sets up the account, gets online access, lets it age out, you know, 30, 60 days, and then changes the direct deposit information to prepaid debit cards. Uh, as a matter of fact, the U.S. government offers a prepaid debit card that they will even send to you if you want to do that. So, um, and of course, you know, the problem is, is that criminals, and I used to be one, criminals don't care who the victim is. They care about the dollars that are going in the criminal's pockets. So while you're robbing someone of their social security benefit, the criminal's not really thinking about, well, this is the only money that some of these people get every single month. They're having to live off of, you know, $800, $1,200 a month. Right. And it takes sometimes two to three months for the victim to fix this situation. It's not something, it's like it's like tax fraud. It's not something that happens overnight. You know you're a victim of tax fraud. It's gonna take you a few months to get to be able to file tax returns again. Same thing if you're a victim of social security account takeover. It's gonna take you a while before you get that check again. Right. You have, go, you have to jump through the loops and everything. And uh, that, that becomes the entire huge issue with this thing. And, and cybercrime and the criminals are just getting more brazen they're they're not they don't really care who the victim is. What they care about is the profit potential. And there's a lot of profit to be had in social security account takeovers. Ugh, it just makes me mad. I mean, you know, there's a reason I've been on this side of the fence, right? Because I have a really strong sense of justice. <laughs> um, as you do as well. I think that kind of comes well, with the territory. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. I mean, that comes with the territory of being on this side of the fence, but it's like, that's my grandma. And I mean, my other grandma, who unfortunately has been gone for a few years, she got hit by a scammer, you know, phone scammer, uh, who just talked her up and became her friend for, you know, weeks and weeks and then asked her to wire him some money. And she did. And, you know, it, uh, and actually the first place that she went to to wire money told her it was probably a scam. So she went back home and he, you know, called her saying, where's my money? And Oh, well, they said it's probably a scam, so I probably shouldn't do it. Oh, well, here, I looked up a location where people don't really speak English that do, you know, wire transfers, so they won't ask as many questions. And you nailed that. Uh, I mean, you, you, you nailed it right there. Oh, yeah. I knew exactly why. Right. If a fraudster can actually talk someone into leaving the house, mm. if they get that person out of yeah, the house. fish on the line. That that person will send the money regardless, and that that's not just from Brett Johnson. That's from one of the former fraud guys over at Western Union. I was fortunate enough; I, I attended a presentation of his, talked to him after the uh, after the after the speech and everything, and he says the same thing. If mm -hmm. you get someone out of the house, they are going to send the money. Hmm. 
Yeah, um, it, it's absolutely true, and they've already made that decision. And I was like, don't you know who your granddaughter is? But, I mean, you know, it's fine. I, we, you know, it was kind of a, a lesson learned, and, and I did actually contact the money transfer place because I knew the person, or I had a contact with the person in the fraud department. I didn't know them well. Right. I know one of the companies better than the other, and now there's a few. And they said, oh, well, that sounds like fraud. We would have stopped it. And I said, great. Then can you let me know when my grandma will get her money back? And I never (laughs) heard back. (laughs) I will say that I know that that company listens to us now, and there has been change in management. So um, they they probably know exactly who I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not about, you know, it's not trying to be a dig. I just was kind of irritated. Like, yeah, no, no kidding. It looked like fraud. So why didn't you stop it? That was kind of why I called. Like, but I also let them know, like from my position, because I was at MRC at the time, like, hey, you guys are getting hit with this. Like this is happening over your thing. I, I think you need to know about it to have a lackadaisical attitude come back. I was like, well, I guess that's why they're choosing you guys over your competitor there you <laughs> to, go. to wire money. There you go. I mean, I don't like it, but it's like, well, if you're going to be lackadaisy about it, then, you know, I guess that's what you get. And I don't, I mean, probably that's not a very nice attitude, but it was my grandma. It's like, come on now. <laughs> she well, raised I mean, me for half my right. life. You're right though. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And, and what we noticed with, with both of the money transfer people, and I'll just go ahead and say it, it's, it's back when I was committing fraud, MoneyGram and Western Union, what we noticed is that for three to six months, their systems would be wide open. You could do whatever you want to on there as far as, far as fraud went. Then it would shut down completely for three mm-hmm. to six months and then cycle in and out like that. So we figured that what it was is, okay, so whatever the rules systems are they're using, it recognizes the fraud, it shuts them down, and then everything's legitimate for six months. And it's like, okay, we can let they, we can let up on these rules, and it kept cycling in and out like that. So that's what we that's what we put it down to. Whether it was right or not, that's what we figured. <laughs> well, yeah, they get all the chargebacks, so they shut it down because yeah, it takes exactly. about two three months to get chargebacks. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, both companies have come a significant amount away since those days. What happened with my grandma was about five years ago. And I know when you were doing things, it was 10 years ago. So right. they've they've had to come a long way. And, you know, they're doing great things. I, I know, you know, the leadership at both companies. And I, I would say the last five years, they've really stepped it up. So definitely not a dig on, on either company. I can only imagine. I mean, gosh, if fraud is hard, you know, if physical goods, could you imagine with money? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they've they've really got, but they also can't have too much friction for the, for the millions of good guys that use it. You know, yeah, it's definitely a, a task and a challenge. So we, you know, empathize with that. But yeah, it's just been one hell of a week for like, gosh, guys, don't you know I have to fight fraud on behalf of companies? I don't have time to fight fraud on behalf of you guys, too. But uh, it's very helpful to have that information because actually I didn't know about the SSA.gov stuff. So this is where it's really helpful for me. And I think it's helpful, too, for other fraud fighters because, like, we're so monofocused on protecting our company. Sometimes we forget about how to protect ourselves or the people in our lives that we love. That's true. And also, you know, once you tell people what you do, they're going to contact you every time their card's stolen, every time their, you know, account's taken over. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but I, there was one time that my mom called me and said, you know, somebody used my card. And I said, okay, well, did you shut off your card? No, I called you first. 
well, mom, what am I supposed to do? Go call your bank and shut your card down, and then I'll tell you what to do. Like, don't call me first. What am I, like, (laughs) I mean, I know people say, you know, think that some of us in fraud have superpowers, but closing (laughs) your bank account on your card on your bank is not one of the few superpowers I have. So sometimes, you know, (laughs) figure out which, and I will say I give my grandma credit because she called her bank first. And she told the lady, no one has access to my money but me. <laughs> and I said, well, Grandma, I said, what kinds of questions does your bank ask you to verify it's you? And she goes, questions? They don't ask me questions. I just ask, I just call the lady at the bank and she knows me. And I was like, oh, well, that actually might be more secure. <laughs> That's not than, bad. And a password. Bad. You know, she's been banking at the same bank for 30 years. They know her voice. They know her. Exactly. You know, they know that she's going to make some comment. So like. Well, you, you know, know they, was, uh, so I went out to Big Spring, uh, Texas, and uh, oh, the yeah. that I spoke for out there, the guy's name is Franklin Weber, and um, he told me, he was like, and he's a small bank, but uh, he's mm-hmm. a good banker, a good guy over there, but he said, uh, you know, we don't worry about that. You come in, and we know you. Right. <laughs> we're, we're not doing anything unless you come in. I was like, okay, that'll do it. It's actually probably safer than passwords and everything else. Yeah, of course, I mean, you can't do that if you're Bank of America. <laughs> right. Well, right. And so what I was trying to get out with her is like, so what types of questions do they ask you to verify your account? And did you give that kind of information to this guy? Just to make sure that there wasn't any kind of like sure. banking account takeover. And she's like, I don't have to ask you questions. I just go, oh, okay. I mean, she probably has a fairly significant amount of money for that small bank in there. So they right. probably do that. But, and then she also apparently told them, my granddaughter speaks all over the country about this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> She's finally figuring out what I do. It's taken like 15 she talks years. talks about this nonsense all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm going to call her next. And I'm sure the banker was like, all right, you, you go be your granddaughter's problem. Oh, that's great. <laughs> She's a kick. She, She's always saying something crazy, but... So, I mean, I do what I what did break my heart was just how stupid she felt. And I feel like, you know, that goes back to what you've said before, like about, you know, why is it the victim that feels shame? Like you're not the one that, you know, did anything wrong. They riled you up. They they you know, they know exactly how to get information out of you. Absolutely right. And we've got a we've got an entire culture that blames the victim, whether the victim be a company or an individual. So we say, oh, that person had to be stupid to fall for that phishing attempt. Or, you know, that company, that company needs to be charged criminally for, for mm-hmm. letting that breach happen. Well, no, no, it, you don't. I would say in some, victim. right, in some <laughs> cases, there are definitely some common sense things over others. I'm not going to lie. Like you and I have joked, you know, <laughs> probably on air as well as off, you know, about like really, you know. Okay, that's sometimes oh, yeah, it is there like are some gaps that you look at. Sometimes you're like, what? Right. You use you the same password on everything or you do that. You know, right. we might be. But at the same time, like nobody has to take a class for this. It's not really common. Sense, you know, I mean, it's not out there all the time on the news. And then you have to ensure that people are watching the news. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, sometimes people don't like to see what's on the news. So they don't watch it. You know, so like there's different that you can't get information out to everyone, which is, you know, why we do this. And, and why we've been talking about, you know, different ways to get some of this information out to a wider audience as well, because we recognize that this isn't common sense. You can't, I mean, whether the crime is financial fraud or, you know, account takeover or, you know, something, you know, more violent and more criminal, like we can't be blaming the victims because they're not, you know, they're not the ones who are perpetrating the crime. Right. I completely agree. That's a lot of fraud stuff for what's been happening in my world, but I know that you've got... 
I don't know. A bee in your bonnet just makes it sound like I do not live in the Pacific Northwest. I know there's a topical <laughs> topic that's come up that you would like to discuss as well that well, I think is yeah. very relevant right now. Well, you know, this this has been a big week. Uh, yeah. Certainly, I think the biggest news has been Notre Dame burning. Mm. I, I think that's an absolute travesty. Then I went. Got, I was there six years ago. Thank goodness. So you I, go. I, was, yeah. I was there last year and just got oh, to that's see right. passing. But um, I regret not, uh, and I didn't have the time to go in, but I regret Right, not yeah, you were doing a TEDx talk. It's not like yeah. you were, you know, just silly <laughs> yeah. so dallying. That's the big news. And, of course, you know, yeah. we've got, I'm not even going to talk about the Mueller report because that just opened up a whole can of worms right there. But the mouse-faced man himself, <laughs> Julian Assange, was dragged out, dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy. And you got a kick out of this. I mean, to the point where you were like texting me about it last week. Like you were when the day it was happening, you were, I could tell you were like, I woke up to text messages about it because you're two hours ahead of me. And I could tell you were giddy as all could be about it. I turned on the news. It's like, what is he talking about? (laughs) I cackled all day long. Oh, I'm sure. I, I had, I had that entire clip of them dragging him out kind of on a repeat. On YouTube for hours at a time. Just oh like my gosh! Uh, when my daughter has like an anxiety attack, she pulls up uh, videos of puppies, and that like calms her down. I well, feel Julian like that's Assange what you'll use. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's what you'll use, like to calm yourself down from now on, like to make you happy. It's like oh, I'll just and, put and, this on a loop. <laughs> and here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I, I support journalism completely. I I agree with uh, the release of the Pentagon Papers back in the day because that was journalism. Right. The problem that I have with Julian Assange is I question whether he was ever a journalist. And in fact, you know, I, I got to talk to the guy. Um, uh, yeah, I remember that. And everything and, and uh, an extremely intelligent man. He really is. But he's got a lot of cognitive dissonance going on. He mm. doesn't think rationally. He only thinks, you know, he sees what he wants to see and, and just chooses not to pay attention to everything else that happens in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they drug him out of the embassy, and of course a lot of people were upset, and everyone was wondering, oh, it's a, or saying, it's an attack on journalism, it's an attack on journalism, until they read the indictment. Turns out that Mr. Assange helped, what's, what's, what was the name? Bradley Manning. Bradley Manning, before Bradley changed his name. Helped Chelsea Bradley. Manning now. Right, Chelsea Manning now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll say Bradley because it, that's what the indictment was, and then I'll change over to Chelsea. But um, when Bradley Manning hacked into or stole these documents from the NSA, and the, the amount of documents, if it were printed out in paper, it would fill the back of a dump truck. So I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. So when, when those documents were stolen, guess who helped Bradley Manning hack in and use a different password, a different login, so that Bradley could hide the, his identity from, from, from signing in. That was uh, Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. And they have proof. They have text messages and email messages about this, this Julian trying to talk Manning into, oh, we need more information. Keep going further. Keep going. And I'll help you do this. So they That's have more crossing messages. the line from whistleblower to... Right. You know, espionage, correct? Right. That's that's hacker. And and Julian yeah, Assange and was Julian Assange was a hacker. He yes, he right. certainly was. So he just helped Manning right along with that. So of course Chelsea today, they they 
have the, the you know they were doing the grand jury stuff and they wanted Chelsea to come in and, and answer some questions. Chelsea refused, so of course they've got Chelsea in solitary confinement now because of this stuff. So, and the, the reason I bring this up, I talk a lot about why cybercrime is committed, and there's three reasons: it's status, cash, and ideology. Right now, we're seeing the country of Ecuador, they've been hit with over 40 million cyber attacks since they turned over Julian Assange to the UK police. 40 million? How is, 40 is there even million. enough documents and, and things to hack in Ecuador for 40 What's, million? It's, it's, it's attempts. It's, 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 I, oh, DDoS. Okay. Oh, right. right. Okay. So that all makes these sense. different things because people are so upset that Julian Assange was arrested, was that the Ecuadorian embassy gave him up. The problem is, is that basically Mr. Assange has this whole cult of, cult of personality. Yes, he's very bright, but he's convinced people, oh, I'm really a good guy. I'm really mm-hmm. this. And because of that, people are acting out. They're committing crimes, not for status, not for cash, but simply because of ideology. And that, that I, I talk about this a lot. We're going to continue to see this transition from cybercrime for, for finance over to cybercrime for ideology. We're seeing it with ransomware. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it with all these other things. Not Petia, the, uh, the ransomware attack that was launched last November that shut, it was the biggest cyber attack in history. Launched last November, it shut down Maersk, it shut down all these other companies. Mm-hmm. That was not for financial reasons. That was simply because of ideology. Russia launched that against the Ukraine, and it spread out past the Ukraine's borders. And, I mean, it cost huge, huge amounts of money. So that's that's one of the things, and we talk about merchants on this podcast. But if you're looking at the reasons that crime is committed, it's not always cash. You mm-hmm. may have you may have an employee there that somebody and, and you know we we've, we've both got a friend that their fraud department was hit because they pissed somebody off. Yeah. So if you if you're angering somebody, if you have a different political slant, if you've said something on social media that upsets someone, you can be a victim and it's not just just because you get ransomware doesn't mean that the attacker is wanting cash. The attacker may just be wanting to shut down your system to disrupt your business. That becomes the entire issue of this kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's really good. And and I always appreciate the things that you bring forward to our knowledge, because I think, you know, again, going back to kind of fraud tunnel vision or even trust and safety tunnel vision, like it's, you know, we don't always know what else is out there. And I haven't been following Julian Assange because I, in my brain, I'm like, eh, it's not payment fraud. This is my one lane. But the, but the, the borders are really starting to get blurry. You know, the lines are getting blurry. They absolutely Um, are. There are I mean, definitely at, uh, companies that are being hit with fraud because of political statements that those companies have made. Absolutely. Or you look at what you know, uh, lots of things. You know, so, so when when PayPal shut down the WikiLeaks donation, this was back what 2011. Mm-hmm. When they shut down the WikiLeaks donation. There were so many DDoS attacks it cost PayPal like thirty million dollars. Wow. Not because the attackers are wanting to steal cash, but because they're wanting to disrupt the service. And when you disrupt the service, it costs the company money. Well, it's also like teenagers throwing a temper tantrum, right? Like you picked on my friend. I mean, the same kind of things happened with, you know, when Alex Jones lost his ability to accept (laughs) funds on certain things or be on different, you know, social media platforms, et cetera. I mean, 
there are these people in this world that have this personality and I do think that you hit nail the nail on the head with, you know, cognitive dissonance. I would add malignant narcissism Absolutely. thinking that they are, you know, better than everyone, like special in some way. And they have these followers and they get kind of this cult personality. It's something that, you know, you know, from my personal life, I have <laughs> a lot of history with from my childhood. That's, uh, I mean, it doesn't take uh, anyone with a degree in psychology to know where my sense of justice comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a pretty close family member that had a similar personality and had followers and um, it was it was rough. And it's interesting, though, you know, then the followers took on the victim stance after a while and, and sued them. And I didn't know all sympathy for them because I was like, you created a monster by, right. you know, really praising this person and putting them up on a pedestal, even getting more petty than that, like from, you know, moving off of my childhood, even more petty than that. Like you see it with like reality TV stars or with influencers on, you know, social media and stuff. They have these followers, stands as they call them, like, you know, that just will go after anyone that says anything against the person that they think is the best. And they may never know them in person. Like it's, I, I think you're right. Like there is, the lines are getting blurry from you know, the different types of cybercrime there was. Like, it well, used it, to be, like, you know, different lanes, and now they're all bleeding over. And it, it you know, it it, it, hit, it hits, because, again, we're, we're merchant-based, but it, it hits all types of merchants. It's not just physical it goods. It, it If you're looking at video games, you piss somebody off on Fortnite, the chances of them maybe launching an attack against the entire Xbox Live service, a DDoS attack, well, it's happened before, because you've pissed oh, yeah. some kid off. Mm -hmm. And that costs a lot of money to fix that type of thing. Uh, it if does. You, if you run a business, so, uh, and, and here's the deal. Yes, I eat the chicken nuggets at Chick-fil-A. Oh, boy. That. I Why did I have a feeling this would come up again? Because this company got mentioned on a, a phone call with our agent earlier this week. Yeah. And based on your laugh, I knew it would, it would come full circle at some point. Yeah, it, I do. I, eat, I do not agree with their whole, we hate this group of people. And See, I, I'm vegetarian, so time. I get away with not so having. You get away with it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. it's it's my way of being a good activist. I before <laughs> I was a vegetarian, I tried one once, and I thought it's good, but not good enough to go against my own personal yeah, beliefs yeah. and feel like I'm going to support someone. And they're smart. They actually don't open them in the Seattle city limits. They open them in suburban areas that are a little less, you know, activists around yeah. here because. I don't think they'd do well here. I, it wasn't. I, I started eating these nuggets like a month and a half ago when I had this weight loss surgery. All right. Because that was the only thing I could have. <laughs> so I'm like, you could have Chick-fil-A nuggets after your weight loss surgery. Yes, yes. And then it was like two ounces of tomato soup and clear protein yeah. shakes. Huh? Well, it was. So, so what it is, you had, I had to start with an all liquid diet. I'm on week, I think four now I'm down 40 pounds. But, uh, so the first two weeks, it's kind of liquid. Then you move over into, uh, pureed food and then you can introduce white fish and chicken. Well, with the oh. chicken, I'm like, okay, what can I get? So I, I, you're supposed to try something new every day. So I, I got these, you know, I, I was like, okay, I can drink the damn lemonade over at Chick-fil-A. And I, I, the thing is, is yes, I'm a hypocrite because I was bitching to my wife and the kids. They love that damn restaurant. And I was like, I'll never buy anything from that because I hate their entire view. So, of course, idiot here drives through and gets a lemonade. And I'm like, oh, that lemonade's good. 
<laughs> so, so you're saying that your morals can be bought. I see. Well, it depends With on how much chicken you chicken and lemonade. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. But uh, you know, it's, it's. I have problems with that, but you know, a lot of people, they decide to go the extra extra step further with actually doing something about right, it. Right, right. So it, it's fine for me to bitch about it. It's fine for me to protest about it. But if you're actually stepping out there and disrupting the company's business, that's a crime. And a lot of people go ahead and do that anyway because they're so influenced, whether it be by social media or maybe they've got a, a just a really strong moral compass and they're like i have to do something about it well you know what when you break the law you're breaking the law it doesn't matter for what reason you're doing that right you're still breaking the law well a lot of people think that ddos attacks and things like that are victimless crimes and they're not i 100 percent. yeah i mean I, I know that you subscribed to that thinking several years ago as well right um and I think that that's, you know, the way you justify it in your head. I'm not saying you specifically, but just, you know, people in general justify it as it's victimless. I'm just trying to make my voice heard. You know, I that's think with it. social media and everything else, people just want to feel like they're a little bit more special than everyone else. And I'm going to make my right. voice heard, my opinion heard, my whatever, my beliefs heard. I'm going to back up this person that I think is doing great things, even if they're unable to clearly see from a, you know, logical standpoint it's that, that whole cognitive distance it's, it's that it narcissism is. you're talking oh about. yeah that's what that is you know it's i'm this person i can do this no you can't but the thing is is so you're you're in black friday and you're a merchant you one of your employees has pissed somebody off on social media you don't even know about it but it's it's the right person they've pissed off that will launch a ddos attack on Black Friday, guess what? There's all those orders blocked out that you would be making money on at that point. Right. And to clarify, just because you piss somebody off doesn't mean you did anything wrong as a company Absolutely. either. Half the time, it's best practices. You're just doing, you know, you're, you have a company to run or, you know, it's out of your hands. You know, a lot of people that work for a company don't have any say over what their board of directors or the owner of their company have to say. Um, you know, we I know several merchants who their company has made statements on either side of political uh, arguments and they've you know either seen frog go up or they you know they have friends and family members that make comments and they're like i just work there i can't <laughs> you know it's not my fault that the you know ceo made a political donation and it made the news you know or whatever it is and we know which company we're talking about there <laughs> actually i was thinking of a couple um, oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, but there there might have been main, one main one. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but there's a couple I could think of. But you know, the thing is, is we're in a we're in a we're in a position today that you know everyone should be. Able, I'm I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that you should be able to do what you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Mm. All right. So if if your viewpoint is different than mine, hey, have your viewpoint. As long as it doesn't harm somebody. The thing is, is that we're at that point in society now that when you have a different viewpoint, you're the enemy. We can't accept someone else's viewpoint. And, and I agree. I've got I've got strong views. <laughs> but I'm not about to go say. out there and hurt people because of them. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I have strong views as well. But, like, you know, it, yeah, that's not, it's not my job to be the, you know, the online police in that way. You know, it, it's an opinion for a reason. We all have them. 
That's you exactly know? right. That's exactly it doesn't right. mean that they need to be, you know, heard or not heard any more than the other ones. But, you know, when you disrupt commerce, you're also disrupting people's lives as well, whether it's the people that are making money off of that or, you know, are employed there or if it's a marketplace, you know, there might be buyers and sellers like it, it is. It's not victimless. And, and it's more than just a hassle. The one other thing I just wanted to ask you about Julian Assange is like, do you feel like one of the reasons why you get frustrated with him is because you feel like almost like he's a current alcoholic and you're a past alcoholic and you're like, you're making things worse or like, do you see him as like an ultimate con man or is it more just you get, I was just curious. I think I think that he really at one point he really believed he was doing a good thing. I think that somewhere along the line he transitioned over into being a pawn. It went to his head. Russian government, right? Yeah. Uh, now he is. I, I cannot stress enough how impressed I was with that man's just knowledge and uh, him being an intellectual. I mean, it was you knew immediately the guy was extremely bright. But just because you're extremely bright doesn't mean you're not a narcissist or no. you're not thinking straight or anything Actually, else I like would that. argue that most malignant narcissists <laughs> that I've known are brilliant. Right. Um, because they know how to manipulate people and they know, you know how to get things the way they want, but they're also just extremely intelligent. Right. And, you know, um, I'm hearing the yeah. guy. He's, he's talking to me and he's talking during this, this seminar that he's giving. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it, and it starts out well enough. His presentation started out about a nation's borders and the territories defined within the border and everything. And then he, he used that to talk about how websites were basically their own borders as well. You have borders, and then you have their, your own little huh. country with your website. And it was great. It was ap- I was like, man, that is, that is next-level shit. I like that. <laughs> and then he starts talking about how he's the victim how he's been in jail for eight, you know, mm. seven, eight years. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there going, wait a second. I've seen a picture of your apartment. That's not jail. You've got huh. a cat, dude. So, <laughs> well, and he starts talking about this and I'm like, okay, you're choosing to be where you are right now. If, yep. you, if you truly are a journalist, if you believe in what you're doing, guess what? The New York Times, when they published the Pentagon Papers, they published them and they stood by it. You're not even right. standing by. You're in hiding right now. Yep. And yep, he's fi- not come- facing it. He's not. No. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one thing I can I say agree. about Chelsea Manning. At least Chelsea Manning stood in the United States and said, I'll face up what I did. Right. At least Chelsea did that. Now, of course, what's his face? Edward Snowden. He ran <laughs> for the hills. And, and Julian Assange. He ran for the hills. Come to find out, Julian ran because, well, he helped hack into the NSA. They, they frown on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, you don't say. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for that dude at all. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it totally comes out of like the malignant narcissist playbook where, yeah. you know, you play the victim even when you're, you're accountable for your crimes and you should be accountable for your crimes and you're guilty. Yeah. You, know, you play the victim and your followers are like, oh, this poor guy is being set up. But yeah, he wasn't in prison. He he was hiding out in an embassy inside. I mean, he was in Ecuador, in London, and he's from you know, like it was very confusing. But and, and, hey, I'll, I'll grant you, I, I played the victim too. When I first got arrested, I, I had that cognitive dissonance, dissonance going on and everything else. I was like, oh, they're I, I, it's it's not my fault. I, I was just trying to help my family. Yeah, and I believe right. that bullshit. Yeah, but, you know, I I got over it. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I had a similar, I mean, it was very different because I wasn't committing crimes or anything, but I had a stretch of time in my life where I kind of felt like I was the victim. And um, I, I mean, I, I remember clear as day what day it was, when it was, everything, but it was like this light bulb went off where I realized I'm the only common denominator for every crappy thing that's happened to me go. in this last year. And like, yeah, I may not have done it to myself, but I'm the only common. So what is it, what am I doing to have all this crap come down on me? And exactly. like as soon as I that light bulb turned on and I changed my mindset, then my career took off and I, you know, like it was but it, it really changed my life. And, and so I can very much relate to that and not to that extreme level, but to the point where it was just like I was just having a lot of bad things happen to me in my opinion. But and I was right. just like, wait, I'm when, the only one that exactly when, when you're the when you're the when you're the sun and everything else is orbiting around you. Right. <laughs> then everything that happens in that orbit, you're the only one that, yeah, it has in common. Right. And I think that's just like a life lesson. No, I, I just was fascinated about that because I think that, you know, you have been more vocal about him than most people I know in this industry. But that's not a bad thing. I think that actually tells me, huh, maybe we should be paying attention more. I and, just, you know, and, and the thing is, is I... I I can't say I support. I understand Snowden's argument and Manning's argument. Well, this information needs to get out there. But my my point is my my entire feeling on that is okay. You were given a an, a, a position of trust by the United States government. They knew you were going to have access to this data, and you agreed not to release it. Mm. But you you violated that trust. So that's that's basically my major issue with Snowden and Manning is that. All right. Mm. I, I appreciate the information being out there. You know, Snowden, ha Snowden released the information and come to find out nobody cared that the NSA was listening. So it was like. Well, I didn't say <laughs> nobody, but yeah, I mean, it certainly, I was just talking about that with the merchant yesterday, the one I went to go visit, like how I, it blows my mind how many people don't really care that their data is no. out there. At all. I mean, I'll tell people like, hey, when you use exactly. Yeah. But in the U.S., it just doesn't seem to matter. It's crazy to me. They just like, oh, yeah, that's the price of it being free. I'm good. Or I don't care. Or they'll say, you know, well, my life's so boring. You know, well, there's a lot and there's a lot of advertisers making a lot, you know, a lot of companies making a lot of money off of advertisements because of your everyday moves. So there's one other thing I wanted to touch on quickly, and you know this was a different episode because we did have a main topic to talk about, but we also had just so many different things, and I think that's important. So it'd be interesting. Well, you know, to I hear. wanted to get that. I, I wanted to get that Assange crap out. I know. Oh, I, I know. Get you to talk about that. <laughs> I have text messages to prove that. No, and I'm glad. I mean, I think that it is. You know, as I talk to people that listen to our podcast, they do come here, you know, to listen about fraud, but they also want to know what else don't I know. And sometimes it's in their orbit to help them do their job better. And sometimes it's understanding the news right now or, you know, being able to talk about this when because when your friends and family do ask you, like, well, what does this mean for me? You want to have some kind of an answer. So right. I think that it is helpful. Coming back to, you know, kind of like merchant fraud, there was an article that came out in TechCrunch this week that I hadn't really seen until today and uh, I mean it's been out for two days actually but I only saw one person post it and it's that a lot of Chipotle customers are posting on Reddit as well as tweeting at Chipotle tweets that they've been victim of account takeover probably because of credential stuffing and brute force yeah, right and that but you know it drives me crazy I'm sure it drives everyone crazy when customers are when people are like my account got hacked because that's not 
what happened, but that is that has become kind of like the nomenclature or whatever. That's like the common thing to say. Right. Anything so, that happens online, it's hacking. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. It's like, no, actually, that was account takeover due to credential stuffing. <laughs> but of course, you know, they don't know those terms, right? So right. you kind of have to like unravel a little bit to figure out well, what really happened. And it sounds like, you know, probably they probably got, you know, username and password from some other breach and then decided to target Chipotle recently. But they're, you know, draining their points. They're using the card on file they're you know doing different stuff like that the reason I brought it up actually is because I feel like it really ties in well with the conversation we had with Kevin last week about trust and safety sure you know while yes now Chipotle is going to have a lot of fraud due to you know and there's there's so many just let me like say this even though Chipotle is in the news so that's who we're talking about there's so many merchants that deal with this and it never makes the news and a lot of times the reason why it doesn't make the news is because the company comes right out and says you know what Here's how you protect yourself from your account. This is happening to people. Change your password. They force to change your password. You know, they do something about it. When they don't respond to a couple customers here and there talking about it, that's when the media picks it up. And that's when your trust as a currency is is in jeopardy because now customers are reading this or potential customers are reading this and like, I'm never going to give my card to them. I'm not going to use their mobile app. And I will say that quick service restaurants have really been hit with credential stuffing and ATOs in the last year. I mean, I know of one very large one that's been hit for a while, but they also were one of the first for, you know, mobile apps. There's been a couple in the news. I mean, I I love the people at Duncan and they listen to us often. And the only reason I'm calling you guys out is because you were in the news that I felt bad for them because I was like, I know their competitors get hit with this. I know other people get hit with this, but they got in the news. And I'm not saying it's necessarily their fault for not picking up on it sooner. But I do think that there are ways for companies to, you know, if it's already on Reddit and if you're getting tweeted about it, you might want to, and I, I I don't think that's what happened with Duncan, but at least in this situation, like you might want to come out and make a public statement and say, you know, this is happening. This is why it's happening. It it doesn't say anything about your security as a company. If you say it right, it's actually the security of your customers, but that's why it's important to keep them safe. Um, well, I mean, it's, a, it's that whole environment, right? I mean, we've mm-hmm. got an environment of companies and it's, it's you know, they're hit with something that's outside of their purview. Right. And they want to hush it up. They don't want to mention it at all. And right. a lot of the time, you know, it's not even a lot of times, every single time that a company does that, it, it, it really undermines the trust that the company has gained with customers every right. single time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think customers uh, trust people when they have more transparency, when they know what's going on. You know, I I can't, I can't, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. Reddit was hit a few months back with with a breach. They hit it so well. Yeah, they they immediately came out. This is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what we're doing. (laughs) And they were, they were upright, up forthright about everything across the board. And I'd be Um, willing to bet their usership actually went up, not down from that. Yeah, and you know what, what was it? Uh, was it Marriott or Hilton that got hit a couple of months ago? Um, it was uh, Marriott. Well, I think it was both. Oh, they both have been hit, but the one yeah, that it was a third party, the one that Mike that did, was it was done. Marriott. Yeah, okay, it was a third so, party for Marriott. Yeah, right, right. So, and and you know that was Marriott didn't control that, right? But still, people look at Marriott, and the, and the the way to approach that is yes, yes, there is a breach. This is what's happened. This is how we're 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 approaching it. This is what needs to be done. Instead of trying to hide things, come right out in the open and say it. Because if you look at Equifax, simply trying to hide it, and you hit it for four or five months, however long, however many damn months you guys hit it over there, 
you try to hide it and it bites you in the ass every single time. And it's not just Equifax. It's every single company that tries to hide a breach or an account takeover problem or anything that goes on like that. It's best right. to get it out. You, when you get it out, you control the narrative and you're able to get ahead of the issues instead of sitting there trying to hide things and someone else controls the narrative for you. Absolutely, because while all of these rumors are being, you know, spread, well, not rumors, but all these, you know, accounts, these first party accounts are being shared on Reddit and on Twitter and everywhere else. Now, you know, they're the company is losing their ability to control the narrative and say, hey, it's because they're unsecure passwords. It's because consumers are using the same password on every single one. Please change your password (laughs) like or make them do it or something like that. You know, but instead you've got people, you know, kind of doing a whisper campaign and it makes it seem like this company is not secure. Now, are there things that companies can put in place to make, you know, credential stuffing and brute force attacks harder to, you know, commit? 100%. And I would, you know, hope that a lot of quick service restaurants especially are investing in those. Actual modern technology that with machine learning and other and, you know, behavior biometrics or whatever it is, even though you have a small ticket, I think that your trust in your brand is so important that that should be something that you're looking at. It's just going to get worse if it doesn't get better. And so get ahead of it and let people know what's going on and, and educate them. And then they'll see you as like, wow, they're they're a thought leader. They know how to keep me safe. And so because they know how to keep me safe and oh, by the way, it's not really their fault. There are things that the company can do, but at the end of the day, it does have to do with the consumer's weak passwords. So use this as an opportunity to educate them. That would be my, so, I mean, I'm sorry to anyone from Chipotle that's listening, but it is all over, you know, the news. And I think that it's important for us to learn from each other, whether it's learning from mistakes (laughs) or learning from, you know, accomplishments and doing things the right way. And so that's what that comes down to. It's certainly not me trying to throw anyone under the bus. It's me saying, well, this is out there. Let's use it as a learning experience. And I think it's a good way to talk to your leadership and say, look, Look what this is, you know, we're we're starting to get hit with this kind of stuff too, but it hasn't made the news yet. Do you want to be like these guys or do you want to get it under control now? You know, I think I think it's what I think it's that. I think it's management that's just scared to get it out. I think the the troops on the ground, I think that they pretty much realize, you know, hey, it's going to get out anyway. Right. So let's get ahead of the issue. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, just do the very least of like, you know, having people stop using the word hack and your company name in the same sentence. Like that'll oh, yeah. at least least help you with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, when you hear that, it's like, oh, God, oh, God. Well, well, right. Exactly. That's where the trust goes away. But if you keep people safe, then you then you earn their trust. It's a give and a take. And I think that, you know, OK, we start to see these. Let's get on top of it. Let's educate our consumers Let's, you know, figure out the right path to go. You are definitely catching on that it's usually the people at the top that are, you know, oh, well, we don't want to say that. And I get that, but that's kind of old school now. It's, look, everyone's going to get breached or hacked at some point. Every company is. It's how you handle it that's going to decide how you come out of it. Right. So I think on that, we can probably (laughs) wrap it up. It was kind of a cornucopia of fraud topics. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just so much, like I said at the beginning, there's just so much, like so many articles coming out right now, so many merchants reaching out, so many, you know, obviously I feel like everyone in my inner circle has been getting hit lately. So <laughs> well, you I know, should knock you're, on you're some wood. Circle, you're the sun and they're just orbiting around. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly not saying that. The fame has not gone to my head about that. <laughs> I did joke, like, don't they know who I am? But then I was like, if they did know who I was, it would happen even more. So it's not that they would stay away or anything. 
I'm not oh, going to be as dumb as that old CFO <laughs> I had that said no one will ever, you know, no one will ever commit fraud on our website because oh, my yeah. husband works for the police department. What? Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's close it out. That's it for our episode today. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you've learned a lot. You know, we've got so many of these topics to cover to help you protect your company yourself from fraud, so please subscribe to the online broadcast to be alerted to when a new episode is out. Please tell your friends about us, rate and review wherever you can to help us gain more listeners. And we love hearing from you guys. Like I said, I mean, Brett and I feel so bad that we can't always respond, but we do try to read everything. It's just been so humbling. I mean, we learned last week that we are in the top 50% of all podcasts. Not not so shabby. Thanks, guys. You know, we really love to hear from you, what you love about the podcast, how we can improve, and what topics you want to hear us discuss. Several of you have reached out this past week with several topics, and, and we will get to those over the next few weeks as well. You can find Online Frogcast on Facebook or find us individually on LinkedIn. All right. Until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure. Thank you.